You're listening to a special guest speaker on the Calvary Brighton podcast. Having faith in God leads to knowing God. And knowing God leads to trusting God. And it has to be in that order. It has to start by faith and faith alone. And then it, it goes into like learning of him and knowing him. And when you do that, you're able to trust him. Because at this time in 2020, you know, when I went to my friend and I said, hey, I'm out of options. I don't know what to do. All these things are happening. He gave me a scripture in 2 Chronicles 25.9, which basically says, and I'll read it for you real quick. Um, you don't have to turn there. And it says, and... Amaziah said to the man of God, but what shall we do about the hundred talents that I have given the army of Israel? The man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You see, my heart was filled with all kinds of drama and chaos and, and care and love and and, and anguish and hurt for the community of Watts and the families that we cared for and the kids that we were helping to raise from the projects with no fathers and all the things that came with it. And so for me, I'm looking out and, 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 and God's telling me, this whole thing with the Hope House, it's not working. You need to go. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Like, what do you mean go? And God gives me this, this scripture of like, and here's what I heard. Cut your losses and move on. And all the time, all the money, all the effort, all the materials that you ever invested in this place, I will give you more. But let me tell you something. With Mama Doris dying, Jackie dying, the other Jackie dying, my brother dying, all these people dying, losing the hope house, losing our permit to be able to worship. And now we're like in a bungalow in one of the second most dangerous projects in Watts. It's like, okay, Lord. But you see, I know him. And I know that he works all things out for my good. And because I know him, I can trust him. But when I'm looking out, I'm like Habakkuk. And in chapter 1, verse 2, he's basically complaining. Because he's, he's not seeing it either. And look at what he says. He says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence, and I, and I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. I thought we were like something special because of all the violence and the gangs and, and the GTAs. 
Grand Theft Auto. But I'm walking in and it's like, welcome to Brighton, where they steal cars here too. And I'm like, so you guys understand. You guys understand that with the epidemic and all these things that were happening and you're looking out into everything and my heart is filled for the ministry that God has given us, but it's not looking very good. And God is saying, just go. I'll take care of you. I'll give you more. And I'm like, okay. I don't see it. I don't see how this is going to work out or how this is going to play out. Just a few chapters later in Habakkuk, in chapter 3, verse 17, he says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yet not food, or, or the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He was telling him that, he, that God was the answer to all the things that were happening and all the things that he was seeing and how he couldn't see past the situations of everyday life. And God was telling me the same thing. But how can I trust him when I'm losing everything? Because I know him. Because he's never failed me. And he never will. And I'm talking about losing everything. The kids were hurt. The kids had a place and a refuge where they could come to and have a snack and eat a meal and have a, a warm bed sometimes on the weekends and where they had youth group and all these things. And they're like, and I'm just worried about the stuff that we had, you know, like I'm worried about the PNL. I'm worried about the support that we had received from other churches, including you. I was worried about those things, but it was affecting our community in a negative way. And God was telling me, I'll give you more because I'm your solution. You know me. Trust me. <clears throat> it was hard. It was hard because like, how do I trust God when <clears throat> I can't see it? And I got to tell you something. After one thing, after another and after another, and I got to tell you something that in 2020, 2 Chronicles 25, 29 verse 5, made absolutely no sense to me. It didn't. But it will, so stay tuned till the end. And in the second part of verse 5, it says, And do not lean on your own understanding. The word lean can also mean rely. Now, how many of us get up in the morning, you don't even have to think about how to put your pants on or your socks. You just do it. That's your own understanding, right? It's what you built up in muscle memory and all these different things. But God is saying, don't rely, depend on, lean on your own understanding. Why? Because we're limited. We are limited. 
And I was looking at the circumstances of my life and I was looking at my limitations and I was leaning on my own understanding, trying to like figure it out on my own. Okay, like how can God give us something and then it be taken away? Because I was like, Lord, take them away. I'm like calling, you know, fire down from heaven. Like, Lord, the back house, you know, 1503, not 1501, 1503, you know. Because that's my understanding. Because these people are messing up my program. And so it only makes sense that if I'm the man of God who is serving this community, that God's going to take them out. And it's like, no, no, mijo, no, mijo, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you as an example. And God was having to teach me after 12 well, actually, at the time, it was eight years of ministry in this community and, 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 and all the people that we had served and all the things that we had done. He was teaching me to trust him when I can't see success, when I can't see how anything makes sense. But you see, 20 years ago, this April 2024, I came to the Lord in faith. When his spirit spoke to me and when I surrendered my life to him. And here now I am serving him and God's like, well, you came by faith, but you've known me through action. You've known me through your word. You've seen me work in your life. I've changed this punk kid gang member out in the street creating chaos and taking to a person who serves sacrificially sometimes in a community that doesn't thank you because of my name. If that's not God, then I don't know what is. But I do it because I've learned of him. And he's saying, look, take what you know of me, not the understanding of what you know of yourself. Because you're limited, mijo. You're limited intellectually, you know, you're limited strength-wise. As I'm getting older, I'm not as strong. I need some tips. <laughs> but even financially, intellectually, what do you have a degree on? Lean not onto your own understanding. What do you have in the bank? Lean not onto your own understanding. Who do you know that might help you out or hook you up? Lean not into your own understanding. Because let me tell you something. I could have gone down a really dark place. Because there's still people that I know that I could have called and said, hey, people are messing with me. People are trying to jump me right before church. And it would have got really ugly. But God's like, turn the other cheek. And I'm like, okay, I trust you. I trust you, Lord. I want to tell you another story of a man who leaned not into his own understanding. And in chapter 22 of Genesis, Abraham, and it says this, I'll read the first uh, few verses, and it says, And after these things, God tested Abraham's faith, and, uh, faith, I'm sorry, 
tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut down wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Now tell me that you're Abraham and you're walking for three days. You're going to where God told you and you're obedient. You know God, you're obedient, you got up, you didn't make any fuss. It says that you, he got up early in the morning, he got all the things that he needed and he went. But some of the people that have studied who have way more education than I do have said that to a certain extent, Abraham was having an internal battle walking his son to kill him. And I could understand him because like, he, okay, God, you promised me a son. And you said that there was going to be a great nation that was going to come from this son. And yet here he is. And now I'm going to sacrifice him. Okay, I trust you. And he trusts them so much that he knew that he was going to kill, he was going to sacrifice his son. But he believed that God would bring him back from the dead. But it, it doesn't make sense, right? If you do the math, if we do like just natural math, some of our churches make absolutely no sense. Some of the things that we sacrifice and do for God make absolutely no sense. And this is one of those stories that it made no sense. But you see, Abraham's faith was being tested. For what? I don't know. Maybe he was just that popular and that rich and God had to humble him. I don't know. But I know that he passed the test. He trusted God even to being willing to sacrifice his son. When God told me to leave, and it absolutely resonated with me, I went to this lady and I said, give us till November 1st and we'll, and we'll leave. And after being there for over eight years, we gave away uh, bunk beds, you know, we gave away couches, you know, we gave away a bunch of things, we put some stuff in storage, and, you know, we left, we even had a, a crew come in and clean the house, you know, this ministry house that we had been there for eight years, and we left it spotless. We didn't leave any trash. We didn't leave anything broken. I mean, like, we wanted to be a good testament to God. And we left. But it says right in the second part, it says, in, verse, or in chapter 3, verse 6, it says, in, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And you know, yesterday, as I was studying, God gave me this illustration. Zach, can I use you as an, as a, as an illustration? Can you, can you stand right there for all me, right. please? You just stand there. Don't say nothing. Don't do nothing. You just stay there. Now, there's two words in acknowledge, right? Acknowledge, and right in the middle, there's no. And what God was telling me is that faith with knowledge equals trust. But he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Now, <laughs> I'm not acknowledging him. He's just standing there. But tell me how many times we do that to God. Where God is there with you. And all he wants is for us to acknowledge him. Because I want to call Pastor Paul and say, hey, we're going through a bunch of drama. We're having some issues. Pray for me. Send some help. Because I could talk to him. I can get a hold of him. Right? In my humanly way. But God is saying, trust me. And acknowledge me. Acknowledge that I'm there in your situation, in your circumstance, in your divorce, in, 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 your, in your bankruptcy, in your, hey, he's there in your happiness. Not everybody's going through stuff. Some of you are waiting for me to shut up so you can go to brunch and then go shopping, which is cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But God is saying, would you acknowledge me in all the things that you do, in all the things that you're going through? Because he's there. And it just blessed my heart. Thanks, your brother. Yeah, no. Hey, that was hard. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a, a little book called My House, God's Home, or something like that. I forget what it's called. My, my Heart, God's Home. And, and I ordered it from Amazon, and when it came, I thought it was a joke. Because the thing's like this small. It's like this small. And it's super thin. But it talks about the different rooms in your home. And the different places of your home. And the different things that happen in your home. And how we can do the opposite of acknowledging God. In the living room. You know, of not spending time with Him. In, in the dining room of not communing with God. In the workshop, not acknowledging him with our hands and our efforts and our, our talents. If you guys don't have that, if you've never read it, I highly recommend it. But here God was saying, trust me, even though you don't see how it's going to work out, but also trust me, even though you don't understand how all of this makes sense. Because some of us will put a bunch of work into something and then it fails. And then you're like, but I thought I was doing what you called me to do. And I was. But that doesn't mean that God can't just, you know, make a crazy left on you or, or, or change the route. He can do whatever he wants. 
But if you don't know him that way, if you don't acknowledge him in what you're doing, you think you're out there on your own. And sometimes we, we think that way in vain. Because he's saying, acknowledge me. I'm in the room with you. I'm in the bed with you. I'm on the couch with you. You see, we're, we need to acknowledge him and we need to know him. We need to gain knowledge of him. We need to learn about him. I don't know some of you. I know some of you. Some of you don't know me. And if you tell me that you're going to do something, I'll take you at your word. But some of you know that you can trust somebody to call them at three in the morning. And you're on the side of the road with a flat or something. And you know that that person is going to get out of their bed as comfortable as it might be. And they're going to come out because you trust them. Why? Because you know him. You have a relationship with him. But God through this was saying, look, all those things that you're like trying to reason on your own and you're trying to figure out how you're going to make it work. Acknowledge me. I'm right here. And in that crazy movie that you think you're going through right now, you're only seeing one scene. You're not seeing the whole picture. Acknowledge me, the director of your life who sees the whole movie. And I know how it's going to end. I love Matthew chapter. I love the whole, the, the whole book of Matthew. And it's crazy because it's one of the first letters that I ever you know, the first gospels that I ever read as a new believer. And if you know the genres, you know, Matthew is particular about like people who are downcast, poverty, like injustice and all these different things. And, and where am I at? In a place where there's poverty and justice and all these crazy things, right? But as I was studying, you know, I was reading this because one of the things that I tend to do because I grew up in poverty is always go to the negative, Growing up with an absent father, an abusive father, and, you know, my mom having to get credit with the frutero. I don't know. You guys probably don't have those here, but there was a truck that would come down the street, and they would have fruit and vegetables and tortillas and all kinds of stuff, and they would, you know, give you a, a, they would give you credit, and my mom would always have to get credit, and I guess I love this book because he talks about how the lilies of the field the birds of the air and how they, they don't work but yet their father in heaven takes care of them. And I was reading this and I don't want to read the whole chapter but I, I read something and I don't even know what time I'm supposed to end. Like right about now? Somewhere around now? I'm, I'm coming to the end. Um, and in chapter 6 verse 32, it says this, and it says, for, for from all these things the Gentiles seek, right? The food, the clothing, what to drink, what to wear, all those things, right? But this is where I saw this, I guess, amplified this, this past week. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And we're, when we're going through something, and, and we might be completely losing out, or we might be completely going crazy because it makes absolutely no sense. 
Do we know that? Do we know that verse? That your heavenly father knows exactly what you need. So why are you tripping? I know I was tripping. And you're like, what does he mean by tripping? I, I, was, I was like, I, I was sad. I was upset. I was depressed. I was like, what's going to happen? Look, at the end of the day, what also, what also happens what also happens is that, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on to your own understanding and in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. The wording on make your path straight also speaks about God removing barriers. You see, in God, when he is looking out into the entirety of your life, he sees what you need and he knows what's best for you. And he also makes paths for you that you can't even see and things that you might think are impossible he's working all that out for your good but you don't see it because you're only seeing this and he's seeing the whole thing and he's saying trust me because i have your best interest in mind but we need to have that knowledge of him we need to know him intimately we need to know his character and we need to know that it's it he honors his word above his name. And if he's giving you a promise, he's going to keep it. Period. I don't see it, Lord. We lost the hope house. We lost the gym. We've been roaming for the last several years, going from venue to venue. But yet we were still feeding thousands. And I'm like, Lord, but what about us? Now I know that um, we have a few more minutes, but I want to land this plane because remember I told you about the movies. And some of you don't know what's been happening with us the last few years, not to mention the last year. And in, every, in any good movie, there's always a really, really, really big problem that climaxes into like something that's just impossible, and then bam, the solution. The good guys win the battle, you know, you, you walk off into the sun and then that little screen comes out where it says the end. We're going through all these things the last few years and all these things are happening and God is saying, look, I know you can't see how this is going to work out. I'm telling you to cut your losses and go. I know that it makes no sense, but trust me. Where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? Back to the hood? Back to corporate America? Back to selling dope? I mean, what am I going to do? I'm going to trust God. The worst day with God is the best day in the, in the world. So I'm going to trust you, Lord. I want to end with this song. It's a... It's a it's a worship song, but it's in Spanish, so I had to translate it into English. 
<laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. This uh, artist, his name is Jesus Adrian Romero. And it's called Esperar en ti, en ti, en ti. Esperar en ti. And it basically means wait on you. And it says this. I will wait on you. I know it's difficult. My mind says no. No, it's not possible. But my heart is confident in you. You have always been faithful. You have sustained me. And I wait patiently. Even when doubt torments me, I, I don't trust in my mind. I do it with my heart. I will wait in the storm. Even when I must wait for the answer, I will trust in your providence. You are always in control. You see this, this nightmare of a movie that was just going on and on and on and the difficulties and the challenges and all this stuff climax into March 24, 2023. And in the midst of difficulties and in the midst of searching and in the midst of being frustrated of going from place to place and only having a place rented for two hours on Monday, two hours on Thursday, two hours on Friday, and six hours on Sunday, I was begging God, Lord, give us a place. And so much like this, I was at a church in Las Vegas and I was sharing about our work and what we're doing in, in Watts. And a gentleman approached me after one of the services. And he tells me, you know, we love what you do and we'd love to support your ministry. And can I get your contact information and let's talk. And so this gentleman, which looked like he shopped at REI, you know, like he had hiking shoes on and like, you know, like self-wicking shirt. I mean, like there was no Rolex or $1,000 suit or rolling in a Bentley. Like there was nothing that would stand out about this gentleman other than he wanted to help. And so he starts to, to, I guess, vet me and develop a relationship with me. And we're talking on a regular basis. And I met his wife over the phone and we're talking and he's telling me like, so what are you guys doing? And we're doing the father-daughter dance that we take these little girls and we do a dance for them to culminate them going to junior high. And we impress upon them, you know, their, 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 how their father in heaven loves them because they don't have a dad. And so this guy buys all the dresses for them and you know, but what about more and what's going else and what do you need? And he's talking to me and he's telling me, and I'm just like, this is what we're doing. This is what we need. This is what Scott's put in my heart. And so he says, look, I need to fly out for the day. And, and my wife and I were going to fly out. And he looks at his dates. He was on a mission trip. He comes back and he says, um, this day I'll, I'll fly in. Can you pick us up at the airport? And sure enough, you know, this is March, April, May, May, they fly in for the day. He asked me before he flew out, do you have a realtor? I said, I do. He says, can you have him meet us uh, that day when we fly in? I said, sure. I, I'm not asking for anything. I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that this family's coming out and there's a realtor involved and that I need a place. So they fly in. They said, hey, let's go look at some houses. I'm thinking, okay, 
no big deal. You know, if we rent a house, you know, we can operate out of that. We'll turn the garage into an office or whatever. We'll use everything for ministry and everything's happening and it's going. And so we go look at all these different houses. Nothing's catching our eye. And then the wife who I've never met before till that day pulls out her phone and she says, hey, what about this property? And, and I'm like, I've seen that property before. You see, back in March, when I came back from this trip, someone had shown me a property with two houses on a really big lot in a small church. I went to a credit union and the credit union said, I'm sorry, but you guys can't afford this property. And I said, okay, well, I just kept pushing, right? Like do what I know, knock, seek, ask. So this family's here. The lady shows me the phone and she says, what about this one? And I said, I've seen it before. Let's go take a look. So we drive over there. The guy says, this is it. Let's go back to Starbucks. We go back. We're talking. He tells our realtor, I need you to go back. I need you to make an offer of $750,000, all cash, 30-day escrow, no contingencies. Bam. They said no. They said no. The property at the time was $880,500. We go back and forth and this and that. And just to make a long story short, They told me on the way to the airport very clearly, because I asked, let's be clear. How do we pay you back this money? And they said, you don't. We're giving your church this money to make this happen for your church. When I called them back and told them that the offer had not been accepted, he said, you can count on the 750. We're, we're, that's where we're at right now invite some other people to maybe bless what God is doing. And I talked to another friend and he gave us 50,000. We had been saving for 12 years and we had some money in the bank. All that to say that on July the 6th, right before I went to, to camp with a bunch of kids from Watts, I wired $864,000 to escrow. July the 10th of this year, we closed escrow on the property and after 12 years of doing ministry in Watts, and after four years of roaming in Watts, not knowing where we were going to do service next, we own a property that consists of two houses on a huge lot with a church. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. <clears throat> Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and he will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord, guys. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton Podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.